Hello, and thank you for joining the Journal of a New Generation podcast from Waverley Abbey. In this six-part series, we are exploring how we as followers of Jesus can respond and walk through the disorientating moments in our lives and in the complexity of today's culture. We're going to be looking at the ancient paths of Jesus. Later in this episode, we'll hear from Sarah Yardley from Team Creation Fest, who is one of the friendliest people I know. Sarah shares her past season of deep loneliness and making room in her heart for people she didn't expect to be friends with as she began welcoming more of Jesus into her own heart. Here at Waverley Abbey, we've been praying and thinking about hospitality a lot. How can we welcome people of all walks of life to this place of prayer and encounter? We simply want to reflect the same welcome that we know is always available in Jesus. Have you ever walked into an unfamiliar environment? Perhaps a large room full of people you don't know and you're trying to stay calm whilst scanning the room, panicking and looking for a familiar face. And then suddenly you spot that one friend who is walking towards you with a great big smile saying, hey, it's so good to see you. And I know when that happens to me, I suddenly breathe a sigh of relief and the hidden introvert in me is relieved to the max. Despite the environment around me remaining exactly the same, that single welcome can alleviate my anxiety and stop me from turning around and walking straight back out of that room. That, for me, is what becoming aware of God's presence feels like. And I want more of that. I don't just want to keep running away from difficult things, praying away every discomfort and looking for a cave to hide in. I want to see God smiling and welcoming me to be with him in the good times and the messy times of confusion and disorientation, in the very places that are most difficult and painful. So Jason, what does welcoming Jesus into my life, into our life, look like? If we take welcome within the concept of hospitality, which I think we're looking at here, um, what is hospitality? You know, entertainment, making people feel at home, being hospitable. Um, it's incredibly powerful, always has been in history. Um, who we welcome into proximity to us and who we eat with and celebrate with has always been immensely powerful. It it's, doesn't just symbolize things. It actually connotes them and denotes them that you are accepted, that you are uh, worth being in the presence of, that you have value as as a person, and that's why we do it. And there are wonderfully powerful stories of hospitality through history and its power, and especially in Scripture. And you see that hospitality is important. We see Jesus and hospitality. Well, Jesus inviting himself to other people's homes for them to be hospitable to them. But just the, the power of that. Who who are you to have the, have the Messiah go and hang out with and spend time with? Um, so on one level, we probably don't think of hospitality and think about, is my life hospitable to the presence of God? You know, we're used to, you know, Jesus, the idea Jesus knocks on the door and wants to come in. And that can be reduced to, you know, I've got to accept beliefs about Jesus, but it's a relationship. Jesus is, I'm on the outside, but I want to be on the inside. I, I want to be in the most important places and spaces. Human beings, we're configured 
um, sociologists know this, that you've, you've got public space where anyone can belong and no one questions why you're there. But then you've got social spaces and those are where it gets, a, you've touched, it gets a little awkward. You know, it's like, mm, you have to be invited to be there. Then you've got private space, which might be your home. Um, and then you've got intimate space, the most intimate place of all. Um, if you came home and you found someone in your bedroom, probably wouldn't be unusual, we live in community, but for the rest of us, <laughs> we would be like, call the police or run from the house. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? It's, and hospitality is about moving through spaces, the big spaces into the most intimate of spaces. And scripture has, Jesus is knocking on the door and wanting to come into the smallest space, the most private space that we inhabit. Uh, not to in, not to invade it, but to be present, to be intimate. Uh, and that's an, an amazing idea that the God of the universe in Christ wants to come into that level of proximity and closeness to us. And that's what we, that's what we mod, not just model with other people, but also I think it's if, if we believe that Christ is in us and replicated in us by the Holy Spirit in the world, when we are hospitable to others and invite them into spaces, Christ is present as well. That's how he enters into those spaces. Um, and our world at the minute is bereft of, it, it's not bereft of entertainment, but I think it's probably bereft of real hospitality. We, we can't talk to one another, we argue with one another, we virtue signal to one another, we cancel one another, we shame one another. That, that seems to be the world that we're in. Um, and maybe just like with Christ in the New Testament, we say, hey, come around to my house for dinner. Let's sit and be together. And hospitality is then saying, hey, you as a person are important enough for me to listen to and I want to open up myself. It doesn't diminish me in any way for you to be present with me. And ultimately, that's what Jesus is saying. He is not diminished by us being present to him. There's a an interesting thought that that when you're around the presence of Jesus, who is holy, that surely that should be the place where you feel the most ashamed and most guilty because you're with the perfect, the purest, the one without sin. And all of my experiences have been that when I'm in the presence of Jesus, that's the only place I don't feel shame or guilt or any of those things. It's the very place I feel the most free to be me in all of my messy myriad of things that I am. Um, so welcoming people and hospitality uh, for for me inviting you around, for example, for dinner, that's quite an easy thing to do or it's practical. Send you a message. Hey, Jace, when are you free? Come around for dinner, get a bottle of wine and have some food and have a chat, which we've done before. But when it comes to creating that space in our lives where we're welcoming Jesus more than just a door open and then he's now here, but creating that space on a continual basis, how, how do we do that? Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, how many of us even ask the question, am I being hospitable to Christ? Is my life hospitable to him? We probably think in terms of hospitality for ourselves. Uh, you know, my, I mean, at the minute, my self-care and am I present to myself <laughs> and am I? You know, so the idea, the, it's a good question to ask. Is my life hospitable? In other words, is it welcoming? Is it open? Is it available? So I think the first place to start is, is, is to ask. 
um, you know, Jesus is like, yeah, Jason, I want, I want to be with you. I want, I want to dine with you. I want to be involved in your life. I want to be close to you. Um, and am I, am I hospitable? Am I open to that? So the first thing is to, is to ask that. And then you say, well, then how do you practice hospitality to Christ? Oh, so many ways. And, and the wonderful thing is that Jesus knows how we're made and how he wants to participate with us. He comes to us in our dreams. He comes to us in mission. He comes to us in prayer. He comes to us in worship. You know, he comes to us in our hobbies and our leisure. He comes to us through our families. And, and that's where we can discover that he is present everywhere. And again, a common notion in some understandings of Christian spirituality, of God's engagement in the world, that God can be met anywhere. And that's not that naff, I meet God on the golf course, so I don't need anything <laughs> else type of thing. But it's that real, he can be present anywhere. You know, He can be present when I'm in the, the most awful places of life and space. No place in our world is inhospitable to Christ. No moment in my life is inhospitable. No sin, no brokenness, no hurt, no pain, no disgrace, no failure. And if we get that's that's what hospitality is can be about. And you see how immensely powerful that is. That no place in our life is inhospitable to Christ. That's, unless unless we make it so. Unless we make it so. Yeah, that reminder that Jesus wants to be with us. Rather than just resting on the laurels and going, well, you know, Jesus wants to be with us. The question is, do we want Jesus to be with us? Are we making, am I making my life available for God to come and, and inhabit? Um, you spoke about the golf course and it got me thinking about the fact that, so we work together here at Waverley Abbey and often we'll pass each other and it's, hey, how are you? You know, how's your day going? And usually we're kind of running from one meeting to another. It's like, Breathing, surviving, yep, yep. Just off to the next meeting, have a quick coffee and have a chat, etc. And then there are times when we'll sit and we'll chat and have a deeper conversation that goes beyond, how are you? Yeah, good, things are great, busy, but, you know, thanking God and usual stuff. So when it comes to being hospitable to Christ, um, talk to me a little bit about that rhythm of, uh, of becoming aware of him in all things, but also making specific spaces and how do we balance the two? Because it's so easy to go, well, Jesus is everywhere. So I can go, Jesus, you're with me right now. Amen. And just walk around. Or we go, no, no, it has to be in this space, in this specific time, in this way. And how do we hold that tension healthily? It can be a bit chicken and egg. Our awareness of the presence of God means that we might invite more of him. But other times it's just practice, it's turning up. Yeah, we, we turn up and we practice hospitality in our lives to to God. And that's where we, we talked before about rule, rules of life, rules of faith, where you just say, look, I've made, I've pre-decided that my time, my attention, my life, my, the resources of my life, I make them open and available explicitly. Um, uh, and hospitality can be planned. Um, how you do it. I'm an introvert. Lots of my hospitality has to be planned, <laughs> right? Uh, and to be available yeah. to, to people. But then there's the bit that it is unplanned where the law says, hi, I'm here. Or when we, you know, go past someone in the corridor. Uh, and if we've been practicing it intentionally is the moment to go, I, I need to pause here. 
I need to wait and be present to someone. That the the being with someone is more important in that moment. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We're living in a world where I guess social media and the uptake of it really shows how much longing we are for connection, for true connection. And you know, it doesn't take a sociologist to turn around and say social media is not the place you're going to find the deepest of connections. And yet it's the thing we keep going back to because there's that a quick gratification of just some connection, some affirmation, some kind of, um, yeah, that, that connection we're, we're desiring. Yeah, hospitality, again, is, is, is the interface. It's the moment around that place of belonging and intimacy and knowing that I have a place and, and, and understanding who I am with, with, with other people. And it's immensely powerful, but it's, it takes certain things to do. Um, and, and we do, we live in a world that seems to be more and more desperate for authenticity and relationship, but disables us from the things that lead to authenticity and relationship because we won't we won't do the practices we won't pay the we won't make the cost that's required of saying no to other things to say yes to something that's better it's one, it's one of the ironies of our modern culture yeah you spoke a little bit about being an introvert mm. which i find fascinating with hospitality right so yeah. um, i would say i'm an ambivert but as I get older, or maybe it's as I'm becoming more monastic, I'm moving towards solitude. I'm going, this is really nice. But again, solitude and isolation are two different things, right? Yeah. So when it comes to being an introvert and being hospitable, and you've been a pastor for a number of years, and being a pastor is one of connection with people. You can't do it just from the pulpit. It's journeying with people. How has your relationship with Jesus helped you or, or shaped hospitality um in an introverted life it's meant that i've had to learn to practice being open and present to people when i'm really tired and that's okay being hospitable doesn't mean having to love every moment of being with you know someone it's like <laughs> oh, good. The, the the person that you're with the situation that you're dealing with warrants that and actually it's valuable to be there we we, we can learn that and then there are times you just, you get surprised and God surprises you. And suddenly, you know, it really is, it was worth it as, a, as an introvert. So an introvert is a disposition. It doesn't have to be who you are in totality. Um, and, but I've, I've found, for me as a pastor, I spent most of my time with the Lord thinking about other people, concerned for them, praying for them, planning for them. And it took me a long time to learn that Jesus just wanted to be with me and to hear him say, at uh, one time it was during COVID and I was so concerned about everyone and everything and I just felt like the Lord went, shh. <laughs> there was just always just, shh. And I just for, entered into a period where I just sat with him and I didn't say anything because I needed, he knew I needed him and I was running on empty. There's a verse that I... Uh, always get challenged by and it's that verse that says uh, it's easy to love those who love you so how can you and, and it goes on to talk about loving your enemies and, and all of that kind of stuff and there's something really beautiful about the kingdom hospitality it isn't just i'm welcoming those i like 
that I'm comfortable with at my convenience at the, and then I can be hospitable. But there are times where it's completely uh, inconvenient and it interrupts my life. I was um, having a conversation with a friend recently and he has lived in this city for over 15 years. So he's got lots of friends um, and very well embedded into a community. And he was telling me how um, a new person joined the church and sat next to him. And so he was doing his usual thing of like, oh, hey, how are you? And connected with him. And they said, oh, it'd be great to catch up. And the dread that filled my friend's heart with, not because he didn't want to, but because uh, his life was already full. He had the people he was regularly seeing and he's like, I've got my friends. These are my church rhythm. This is my work rhythm, etc." And um, that's the kind of life we're living. It's very, very full. So how do we do hospitality in an extremely busy world where our diaries are full? We don't often have free weekends. How, how do we do this, especially with those who are new into our lives? Well, firstly, there's the issue of what, why we let our diaries fill up with other stuff and we could be right. intentional and make decisions. That's one topic. But on a really practical level, if we want to do something, um, there's something we did in, in, in my church and uh, comes from a friend called The Art of Neighbouring. Just a very simple idea. You just sit down with a piece of paper, draw a map of your neighbourhood and be intentional about getting to know your neighbours. You know, would would you know, you know, whatever you prescribe your, your neighbourhood as, would you know the names of all the people? Get to know their names. Pray for an opportunity to bump into them. When they wave at you, stop and talk to them. Um, and we did that church-wide, and it's very powerful. People going, actually, you know, I go to work, I come home, the rest of life just consumes my attention. And it just takes a little bit of intentionality. And then it's amazing how God multiplies that. Because if you make that effort to get to know someone, say hello to them, you know, dwell with them. I, I've been doing it where where we live and we've moved to. And my wife will say, where were you? You're gone for an hour. Uh, you know, it's because, you know, it was the weekend, went past one of the neighbours, normally would wave. And instead as they wave, stop, walk over, have a conversation, get lost in a conversation, you know. Uh, and and that's all I'm trying to do and saying to them, hey, you know, that conversations will happen about things. If you need us, we're here. If you need help, we're here. And starting to pray for them. Now, that is not a lot, but it change it situates us and it opens us up to people we're in and it makes opportunity for god to do the most amazing things because we've opened up our lives to people that really is countercultural, isn't it because often we'll have a network of friends spread across wherever and they're the people that we get on the most with our personality perfectly matches our hobbies etc but there's something about living within the limitations of your geographic area and saying god i'm here for a reason so who's around me and how can I connect with them rather than going, well, this weekend I'm over there because I get on with them. I play golf with them and our kids yeah. like this and et cetera yeah. to doing that. And I'll go to church when I haven't got anything else on and I'll go to the group that is around my hobby or personal interest. And, you know, we, we, we have a society that ruthlessly trains us to do what we want, when we want, with who we want. And hospitality is the opposite of that. Uh, it, it's saying, no, I am going to be present to the people that God puts before me, the people I work with, the people I live with in particular. Earlier, I spoke with Sarah Yardley from Creation First, and 
She really is one of the most friendliest person I've ever met. Uh, Sarah shares her story of deep loneliness, a season where she felt really alone, but in that meeting with Jesus, expanding her heart and welcoming people into her life that she never thought she would. Sarah, how are you? Oh, Charlie, I'm great. It's sunny in London today, so I'm finally experiencing some sunshine and I'm soaking it in like joy. <laughs> you feel like you're home, like oh, this is what my body's been craving. <laughs> my, my skin needs both the vitamin D and my brother always used to say I was tanorexic. Um, so there, there is this little moment where I am happiest with a good, a good suntan. Love it. Love that. Well, I've been talking to friends, exploring what it is to draw near to Jesus in the midst of the unknown. And I wanted to kind of get you onto this podcast to have a chat about because I know your life has taken a lot of different unexpected terms, turns around every single corner. So I just wanted to say what is or has been disorientating moment for you and just tell us about your life a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Orange County, California, surrounded by the sunshine. And I think probably the most disorienting moment for me was the call of God to come to the UK. Now, I've lived in the UK for nine years. It is home now on every sense of the word. But if you can imagine back to that period of time nine years ago when I moved over, I'd lived a life full of sunshine and 300 plus days of sun out of the year. And then all of a sudden I arrive in the UK, which is more like 300 plus days of rain out of the year. I don't know what you mean, Sarah. I don't know what England you've been yeah <laughs> this, this might surprise some listeners um I've, I've come from this place where i'm mega churches and everyone i know is a christian or maybe a backslidden christian to a land where less than five percent of the population go to an active church community on a regular basis um, i've gone from a place where our comfort drink is cold 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 water to a place where my comfort drink is hot 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 tea I, i'm never quite sure whether tea means dinner or the beverage if someone invites you over for tea i seem to get it wrong all the time I think I'm going to an apartment, but it's actually a flat. I want to take out the trash, but it's actually the rubbish. Literally everything about my life is disorienting. Uh, and I think there's lots of places on our journey where, you know, we, we find ourselves displaced. But that's my most significant displacement because actually both geographically, culturally, and that sense of what home looks like, kind of all the cards got tossed up in the air. And I found myself wondering, actually, who am I and what does it look like to both be welcomed myself and to welcome others? Yeah. So how long has it been since you felt home here? I'm sure it didn't instantly happen the moment you landed and thought, this is home. But how long did it take? Yeah, so I moved 14 times in my first five years of living in the UK. Oh, my because goodness. It, no, I really felt God told me to stay, but God didn't tell my landlords that he told me to stay. Honestly, so, God, please, <laughs> can you match up some messages here? Consistent conversations. <laughs> Uh, so the reality is that actually, while I had little bits of places that were a, a sense of home, the house that I live in now would probably be the place where I really felt at home. And for me, there's something about that combination of a place in which you can unpack and settle your soul. And then also far more than that geographical space, the friends and the community around you. I think the simplest way to say it is the people that I can trust on both my good days and my worst days. You know, it's really easy to find the friends who will laugh with you. It's much harder to find the community that are willing to weep and to grieve with you. And so I think finding a little bit of that helped me really feel actually at home. Yeah. I'd love to know those moments where, I mean, we'll get to your life now, but 
when you are feeling disorientated and going from house to house and starting to feel at home and then you're like, okay, up and et cetera, in those moments, what did hospitality look like for you? It's great when you've got your own house with perfect bedrooms, perfect aesthetics, all the cutlery matching. It's another thing when you're like, this is, doesn't feel like my space. How do you welcome people in yeah, when you yeah. feel like that? It's it's so fascinating. The first five years, I literally lived out of an enlarged suitcase. So the reality of that space, where, where do you invite someone over to? How can you accommodate them in that way was so true. And it's fascinating. I recently preached on this topic of feasting and welcome and hospitality. And I was really reflecting on the times where I didn't have a house to invite people over to. And I think the idea of hospitality or generosity, it's so much about just living a wide open life. And so when I couldn't be generous with my house, I could still be generous with my time. And so hospitality in that setting often looked like I'm going to carve out space for a walk or for a coffee or just to sit on a beach together. I have lived in California and Cornwall, so we can acknowledge that I've lived in some pretty gorgeous spaces. Uh, but I think the, the wide open welcome, that's a posture of our hearts, not a posture of our geographical location. And I think so much about the way that whatever it is that we have in our hands, that's what God uses. And there's no space in which the, the savior of the universe is limited by the little bits that we have in our hands. So when all that I had was literally five loaves and two fish, actually God multiplied that just as much as he's multiplied me having now a four bedroom house in which I get to do about 250 nights of hospitality a year, because actually God needed to do that wide open work before I had even the property in which to do that wide open welcome. Right. So getting used to opening your heart up to God and those around you and then having the means to be able to see what's within come out of you and like manifest physically around you. And I think there's something, isn't there, about both staying curious and staying willing that's part of that journey. One of the things I prayed for years is, Holy Spirit, will you keep me curious? Will you keep me curious about the people who are around me? Will you keep me curious about what you're doing in my life? I mean, even this very podcast recording, right. we weren't planning to do it until three hours ago. <laughs> and I, I just think there's it's that true. moment, isn't there? We're curious. We're ready for yeah. the adventure that God has yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. I've got such a great example of how, Sarah, you live your life. We bumped into each other at a conference. And it was the funniest moment because I think you had just come out the ladies I don't I wasn't hanging around the ladies toilet it just happened you came out and you were like we just looked at each other and was like we kind of have mutual friends and then Sarah you just went why don't we just exchange numbers I think we should be friends because we've got loads of good friends and I'm sure at some point our paths will cross and to be honest I don't know if that was the west west coast American in you whether that's the spirit of God but there was something that's this willingness of I mean I know you're really busy with loads of things and yet there's just a curiosity of well, clearly we're in the kingdom of God. We're bound to be connected at some point. So let's just start. Let's get there quicker. <laughs> I think it was that like, let's get there quicker. <laughs> I think there's that double edge there. I, part of the default of my life is just, hey, who's in front of me? How can I be interested? But there's actually, there really are moments where the Holy Spirit highlights. And I remember that encounter as well as you do. We were in the middle of a big crowd. There was a lot happening. And um, it's not even as though I get like a tingling at the back of my neck or there's this like real woo-woo experience. The reality is sometimes the Holy Spirit just highlights a person to me and says, oh, no, pursue friendship. And actually what's fascinating is we had that moment of connection and then it was well over 
a year before we had our real actual first conversation. So I find that consistently the Holy Spirit might highlight something or someone to me, but it's not even necessarily for an immediate action. It's just taking that posture of be wide open and see what God might do. I love that. I think we live in a world where, I know for my generation, we're longing for deep connections, but to the point that sometimes we miss out, that God can use momentary connections. So it's like, oh, but unless I'm going to sit down and have five hours sharing my life, is it even proper connection? What is the point? But in that moment, I'll tell you, for me, it was quite a vulnerable place to be in in that conference. I didn't know anyone. So I was kind of feeling a bit awkward. And you know that time in between sessions when everyone's like, hey, it's so nice to see you. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't have any of those people. And you just went, hey. And that moment was a welcome for me. And I was like, ah, I feel seen and welcomed in this space. And you did that just led by the Holy Spirit. So that was just a beautiful act of hospitality. But moving on to the, this thought of, well, okay, you can do hospitality, welcoming people, whether it's your home or your heart, when you're happy. And when you're having a really good time and you feel secure and I am home, Jesus is home, everyone's home. This is great. Welcome. I'm sure because you're a human being, you've had moments of deep loneliness and isolation, especially when you moved over. Talk to me about those moments. How how did that feel and what did welcoming others look like in those seasons or in this season? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the period of time where I went through this dark season of loneliness was really, really painful. And then I realized at age 31, I was experiencing my first real loneliness. And the reality is if I hadn't gone through that period of being isolated from close friends, from dear family, from known community, I wouldn't have had any capacity to relate in an age and a season of loneliness and in a culture in which there is so much of that. And I think one of the things I, I realized during that time, and, and I journaled about this quite a bit, is that I would have said Jesus was my best friend. But the reality was I wanted Jesus to be a really nice friend. And I wanted the friends whose hands I could hold and the ones who could sit across the table from me. Eat the ones ice cream could... with. And... Yes, exactly. <laughs> I wanted the experience of a tactile friendship. And I think that one of the things that happens in our life and our spiritual journey is that the things that we ask God for, the spirit meets us, but often not in the ways that we would have expected it to be. So we ask for an intimacy. I I longed to just know Jesus closer than any other. And so the spirit of the living God said, in order for that to be possible, there will be a removal of some of the friendships in which you placed your security and your confidence and your identity in order to really receive the intimacy of God. And alongside that, I think what ended up happening, um, and I've been really influenced by Ignatian spirituality in this, is I began to learn how to find God in all things. So, uh, you know, what Ignatius says about prayer is that the spirit of God is infusing all of creation. And so what that means is that God is with us in, to use very Ignatian terms, our consolation, our joys, our sparkle moments, the times when our hearts light up because we've seen a friend across the room or a future friend across the room. But equally, the spirit of the living God is with us in our desolation. Those places in which we feel dry and lonely and weary, those are actually often the spaces in which our hearts are being expanded to learn to know and love Jesus in deeper and newer ways. And so I I think I'm speaking now with some experience and some time around that. 
being lonely is hard. It's painful. It's wearying. There's a six month period where I cried myself to sleep every single night. But in the midst of those moments, I learned how to love, how to trust, how to know Jesus in the way that I would have said that I knew, but actually it was just a bunch of nice words, not a lived experience. Mm, Wow. One thing that I love about your life, Sarah, is that people listening to this may be going, yeah, this sounds amazing. And, you know, Sarah's got her gal pals and they're having a glass of wine on the beach and loving life. When you actually see Sarah's Instagram, there is a lot of that in fairness. But however, there's also a lot of you spending time with young people. I mean, I'm talking yes. like 15-year-old, 16-year-old, people who are your younger siblings' age or, you know, your cousins and nephews and whatever. And so naturally people think, oh, hospitality, well, it's easy when it's people you get on with naturally, same age, shared life experience, shared hobbies and stuff. But with those guys, I mean, you've got such a youthful heart anyway, so you've got that in connection. But has it been hard connecting with younger people? Like, how's that been? Yeah, so I'm I'm really passionate about intergenerational friendships. And I'm grateful that from a really young age, my parents raised me not to just be friends with other teens when I was a teenager, but to really both love and appreciate the older generation and love and appreciate those who are below me in age. Now I'm 40. It is unusual that I am universally adored by groups of teenagers. Like and you I are. You are. <laughs> Sorry to said this. But the places I think that we pay attention to are the places where God gives us favor. And and I think as a principle of hospitality, I've seen some people think, okay, I've got to be hospitable. And so I'm going to have to invite (laughs) this person who I really don't like over. And we're just going to have to force our way through it. And we'll have a good time. Even if the places in which I found that God has opened my heart for hospitality are just the places where he gives natural favor. And my current group of young people, I met them because they got into a fight at the bus station outside of my office. That sounds like perfect hospitality. (laughs) (laughs) I walked out to a group of young people and a, a really distraught older woman just screaming at each other. And so I did what was the only thing in my wheelhouse to do. I said, kids, let's go buy some ice cream. <laughs> I love it. And uh, as it turns out, there, there are a few things that teenagers always love. They always love to be heard, seen, and known. Mm-hmm. But one of the ways that can start is they always love a treat. I, I just right. don't think that you outgrow that moment. Amen. And so this group of, I think, 12 teenagers and I went to just walk to the local ice cream shop. And it was actually almost laughable because I was like a Pied Piper at this moment. I've got this trail of teenagers, all of them between 12 and 13 years old behind me. Um, And we walked over and I just bought them all an ice cream. I was like, this is my peacemaking hospitality budget for the month. And that group of young people, we've now journeyed together for three or four years. We've journeyed through some really dark life moments and we've journeyed through all of the love stories, crushes, sleepovers. I mean, there's this phenomenal reality of being able to walk with them And because I work with a Christian charity, which has a great team in place, and we've got an office location they can come into, I've got an easy space to open up my life in an appropriate way to this group of young people. Uh, But I've just been blown away at the, the way that God really opened that door for us. And what it's reminded me is that on paper, hospitality from a 40-year-old woman to a group of teenagers fighting at a bus stop feels like a big, big gap. But in reality, when we're just attentive to what the Spirit of the Living God says, it turns out a few 
little ice creams and just a lot of looking people in the eyes and asking, how are you, has given me some phenomenal friendships. Do you remember what you were doing or where you were heading in that moment you saw those kids? I I do. I, I was in the middle of doing some admin emails and they were both important but not urgent. And I think that that framework that some people will have heard before of is it important, is it urgent, is it important and urgent, is it important but not urgent. I found that really helpful because my life could be drowned in admin. I could spend my whole life doing emails. It's not probably God's calling for me and it's definitely not my greatest joy. In that moment, I thought, do you know what? I'm sitting here writing an email from a Christian to another Christian. I could probably go out and just be present to the place right outside of my office that feels like it's a place of pain. And uh, there's been tremendous fruit that's come from that. Amazing. That just being aware and present in the moment. That's such a huge thing, isn't it? Because like you said, some people have, they'll hear an amazing sermon or a teaching or an inspiring story and go, I'm going to be hospitable. They'll grit their teeth and go, right, I'm going to buy ice cream. Sarah Yardley said she was really (laughs) kind to young people. So let's get some Cornettos and shove them into kids' hands and go, I am hospitable. Let's go for a walk, kids. But actually, it wasn't that you went out thinking I'm going to be hospitable. You were living aware of, okay, aware of what's around you and God in those moments and just responded to the invitation. And that feels so much what I've just learned from listening to the life of Jesus, that that the life of Christ is one of taking notice. So I think of that story that most of our listeners will know where Jesus is on his way to heal a sick young woman, and he's being urgently brought to bring healing. And yet he immediately takes notice when in a crowd, one older afflicted woman reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. It's culturally inappropriate. It's awkward for everybody who's involved. But even though Jesus was on a mission to a place that there was a calling towards, he still took notice of who was around him. And I've been praying often just this little prayer, Holy Spirit, make me interruptible. Allow me to be interrupted by the things that you would want to interrupt me with. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I know one question I'm sure many people watching and listening this would be, look, I've got limited amount of time And I'm trying to foster deep relationships. As we get older, responsibilities, time is a precious commodity. However, there's this new family or a new couple or a new person who's joined our church. And they don't seem to have many friends, but I'm really struggling to find time for my own friends, let alone start a new one. And I know you have big networks of connections for your work's sake, but also as a person and your ministry, all of that. Talk to me about how do you foster, how do you balance? Is it a balance? Is it a priority? Like, What does that look like for you? Absolutely. So this is more what the Spirit's taught me. It might not apply to everyone who's listening, but I spent time really discerning what are my primary spiritual giftings. So my primary spiritual giftings are apostolic evangelist. I'm breaking into new territory and I'm like, here's the table. How can I make it wider? That means I prioritize my investment with the wider secular community. So if on a given night that I've got time free, I'm going to prioritize building relationship, friendship, community with those who are outside of Christian community. And the ones who I know might want a stronger friendship or just want some mentoring or some investment, I primarily focus those kinds of investments around already existing Christian communities. So I'll often say, hey, I'm going to be at this church on Sunday. I'd love to see you there. That would be a great chance to connect. And I do lots of peer-to-peer connections. 
Um, there was a lengthy period in my life where I did lots of one-on-one -on -one mentoring and God might call me back into that. But what I do right now is far more peer mentoring. So I might see a group of women in which I see this gift of preaching and they don't even know it yet, but they're going to be like the woman who proclaimed the good news, the Psalm 68 woman. Um, in a previous years, I might've just said, okay, I've got to personally mentor all those women. Now what I might say is, I see this gift in you. I'm going to name it in you. I'd love to meet up with you and cheer you on. I'd love to give you some resources that I think are going to be fantastic. And what about if in six months' time we meet up again, and in the meantime, you know that you can WhatsApp me any questions that you have, and I just, I just want you to know I'm your biggest cheerleader. I hope you go farther than I've ever gone. And um, and I think in those moments, what I've I've tried to do is recognize, one, the world is not mine to save. Two, there's this Christian community around me. And part of what we get to do is cheer and champion each other. My primary gift is not to be the prophetess, to be the pastor, or to be the teacher. My primary job is to be the apostolic evangelist. And I think when we know what God is calling us to, it just frees us up to cheer on the whole body of Christ and say, no, no, but sometimes I need you to come alongside. You're the pastor. You're going to be able to sit and hold their heart in a way that I might not be able to. Oh, you're the prophet. You can speak God's word in a way that will cut through to heart and souls. So I love to both be present to what God calls me to do and then lean into the fact that the whole family of God are required in order to bring people into a place of hospitality and welcome. I love that. The constant theme that's coming out in all of this, this conversation from your life is that actually you're living led by the Holy Spirit, right? You're attentive to him and he's the one shaping the garden of your life. And so there's something about, it's a weird phrase, but I had this moment where I was like, what's my hospitality towards God? And you kind of go, what do you mean hospitality? He doesn't, is he going to eat my, drink my soup and eat my bread? But actually, what does hospitality in my heart of his presence look like? And that shaping how I then open up my heart and life to all those around me, right? That's that, that key from that. I mean, one of my most formative experiences in the last few years has been reading a book called The Joy of Listening to God by Joyce Huggett and actually engaging with contemplative prayer because I'm a little bit of an activist, right? Like if California wasn't enough, the fact that I just live in an active community has shaped me to just say, what am I doing? Um, and so just to take the time to attend in my own soul to the presence of God, to be a host and a hospitality of God's presence. And then to say that actually out of that, like from the places where God indwells my heart and my soul, that in those moments are the places where I actually have my heart expanded to be a person of welcome. That has been a transformative experience for me. Love that. Just before you go, one last question. Would you be happy to share a practice? You mentioned about contemplative kind of practices. I think we know a lot of people kind of throw these around, but what's something that you uh, implement into your life so that you can be attentive and host the presence of God well in your own life? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just taking a moment to even ask the Holy Spirit what to share right now, because um, there have been many things that have shaped my heart with God. I think the thing that has probably been most significant for me is just taking a walk with Jesus. And uh, there's a, an author and speaker named Pete Gregg who, who? wrote a book. <laughs> I, we may, may not have heard of him. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty stellar. Yeah. Um, so he wrote a book where he spoke about 
just a little, little line going on a walk with Jesus and then enjoying a beer at a pub and just sitting with the presence of God. <laughs> and I remember Love reading that. that line and thinking, I don't have a framework for this. And what I began to do was just every day I began to take a walk with Jesus. And every Saturday, wherever I could, I would spend a day with Jesus. And the reality is, and this bleeds into all the different parts we've spoken about today. And there's this moment of walking with God, of enjoying the presence of the living God, of allowing both my beautiful and my really painful places, my loneliness, my questions, my challenges, my angst, to be part of what God is speaking to me about. And then for me, I actually do. I end that time with a really nice meal or a really nice drink. And I just say, Holy Spirit, before I'm hospitable to anyone else, I'm so grateful that I just get to bask in the joy of your adoring love towards me. And I would say that practice, the practice of walking with God and just enjoying Jesus has shaped me more than any other. Oh, amazing. Sarah, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. I know you've fitted this between like traveling and stuff. And I love the spontaneity of it. Well, we were talking about this for weeks and then you were like, hey, I'm free today. I was like, all right, let's just do it. Let's just jump on and let's get this done. And this has been so rich and so precious. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been an absolute joy. I pray everyone who listens has a, a beautiful moment just knowing you are loved by Jesus. His heart Amen. is towards you and it's wide open. Amen. Thank you for joining this episode of the Journal of a New Generation. The more we intentionally and actively welcome God's presence into our lives, our hearts expand to hold space for others. In our divided world, perhaps the best thing we can do is for our hearts to be expanded for the people in and around our lives. This podcast was brought to you by the supporters of Waverley Abbey, and you can find out more at waverleyabbey.org. Don't forget to subscribe, review and share this podcast. Thanks.